The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, ingrain it into your habit or ingrain into your brain that this is the normality. You know, like the pre-bolus is normality. I don't eat anything before. Even when I was coming from San Lucia, I was on the plane and they were like, oh, shall we take it away? I was like, no, I'm just waiting for my insulin to kick in. <laughs> so what? But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulin podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. As always, thank you so much for joining us and thank yourself for being here again because it proves that you are consciously taking action on improving your health and your fitness and your diabetes management, which deserves already a huge amount of credit. So give yourself that credit. All right. So for this episode, it's slightly different. If you don't know, I have a online program specifically for type one diabetics who want to increase their time and range, lower their A1C and essentially get into the best shape of their life physically, mentally, and emotionally. With that program that we run, it's called type 1%. And one of the features that we have is a private podcast for everybody in the program. So it's obviously separate to this public podcast that you're listening to right now. But one of the features is this Type 1% private members podcast. Now we do live Zoom calls as a group. We have an app. We have a WhatsApp group. We have a Facebook group. All these different features. But one of my favorite features or one of my favorite aspects or one of my favorite trainings that we do inside our program is something called a client hot seat. Now, a client hot seat basically is an existing member of our type 1% program who has achieved fantastic things, who has shown up for themselves, who has really put time, energy, and effort into taking that action to better improve their health their fitness and their lifestyle, particularly with diabetes. Now, this hot seat episode that we're doing as this, as essentially this main episode right now is one that we recently did with a client of ours called Martin. Now, Martin has been living with type 1 diabetes for over 18 years. 
And throughout this time, admittedly, Martin hasn't taken the best care of his health with his diabetes. He would be the first person to tell you that. And essentially, as a result of this, he's currently living with the consequences of that. And within recent months, the consequences of that, by the way, are quite severe neuropathy in his feet and his legs. But within recent months, Martin has completely changed his perspective and management of his diabetes. He's dropped one stone now since we did the hot seat, more than one stone of body fat. He is in phenomenal shape. You'll, you can see him on my Instagram if you haven't seen him yet. He's become the leanest and strongest he has ever been. He consistently hits 90 to 100% time and range days, weeks, and months, which he uses to post into our main WhatsApp group, which hugely inspires other people in the program too. He's actually even recently on one of our one-to-one calls that I had with Martin, he recently said that because his management and his health is the best that it's ever been, he doesn't even mind being diabetic anymore. And that's a phenomenal thing to be able to say. If you live with diabetes, you know what it's like. So to be able to say that is just remarkable. Martin is one of the most mentally and physically strong diabetics I've ever come across. And in this hot seat, essentially, he goes through his experience and he goes through what works and what has worked for him to completely change his life with diabetes. Now, this is the first time that I'm actually releasing one of these hot seat episodes into the public podcast that you're listening to because usually these are private. These are private and reserved for just members of our Type 1% program. But I wanted to show Martin's story to this public podcast and to you listening now to prove that no matter how long you have lived with diabetes, you can always turn things around. You can always change how you live with it. And that's something that I, I'm big on. We don't change that we live with it, but we can completely change how we live with it. And Martin is a perfect example of that. So please enjoy this episode as much as we all enjoyed doing this training with Martin live inside our group. He is a remarkable person. And since doing this hot seat because I know I'm rambling here because I just Martin is just phenomenal um since doing this hot seat Martin has also taken on a challenge for charity where he's cycling 400 miles throughout the month of April so he's actually doing it right now um for charity and that in itself is a huge change for him because as you will hear in this hot seat, Martin admittedly completely ignored and neglected his diabetes for years. So for him now to actively be taking part in charity events and challenges to raise money for diabetes, it's outstanding. So again, I'm rambling. I'm (laughs) going to let you get into this episode. Enjoy it as much as we did. 
make the most of it because this is probably the only one you're going to hear publicly if you're not inside our type 1% program but be inspired by it be motivated by it enjoy and I'll chat to you soon okay guys so here we go with another hot seat I really really enjoy doing these trainings and given the attendance for all of the hot seats that we do I get the impression that you enjoyed them too and for anybody who hasn't been on one of these hot seats yet or hasn't even watched the hot seat back yet basically a hot seat is a detailed look into somebody who is currently in the program what they have achieved what they continue to achieve where they have come from their own journey within their diabetes because obviously that's what we're all here for we're all here to be fitter healthier stronger happier with our diabetes and I preach to you all the time, all these different things that we should do, things that we may not do or we shouldn't do, but it's always really nice and refreshing to see somebody else in the program achieve fantastic things and see how they achieve it. So today we are lucky enough to have Martin to do this with us. And Martin has been within the program for a number of months and within a relatively short space of time, percentage wise with his diabetic journey he's been living with diabetes for over 18 years martin has achieved unbelievable things and he has done a complete 360 in relation to his health his fitness and his diabetes management and as you can see from the cover image the word that stands out is neuropathy and obviously that's something that can play in all of our minds and something that is quite prevalent in martin's life and that's why i think this hot seat is going to be even more special because Martin is somebody who has seen consequences of his management up to this point, but right now and for his future, he has made unbelievable progress and is the fittest and healthiest and happiest he's ever been with his condition, which is inspiring to see. So Martin, thank you so much for uh, for doing this and taking the time. Do you want to briefly introduce yourself for people who might not know who you are? Sure. Uh, so uh, thank you for having me. First of all, my name is Martin, uh, Martin Jabor. I'm a 36 year old. I will be 36 years old in June. I will be 36 in June. I'm originally from Czech Republic, but currently living in South London. And as you said, I've been diagnosed in April 2004. Yeah, it will be 19 years in April. And um, yeah, what else? I'm thinking. You've had a pretty interesting relationship with your diabetes, Martin. Up to this point. Yeah. So I was diagnosed when I was 17, and it was the time where I was finding out myself, I would say. And I think that the timing, or like how it was introduced to myself, it was like, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, you know, so all these things so it created kind of resentment, so the diabetes was my enemy, and I think that I was battling it, I would say the first seven years from, yeah, 17 till 25, it was just denial and constant battle, I just didn't want to be different than anyone around me all the teenagers around me, I wanted to be the same and I was yeah I was predominantly living in denial mm. so the 
I don't want to, there was a management, but there wasn't management, obviously, 20 years ago, especially in Eastern Europe. It, yeah, it was before the time of CGM and, and all the knowledge I have at the moment because of the program. So it was literally, you can eat 50 carbs for breakfast, 20 grams for snack, another three hours later, 50 grams of carbs for lunch, then another three hours break, you know, little snack, dinner, go to bed, that's it. They were, they were like, this is like five units for these carbs, two units, you know, if you're going to have snack, and then you have to follow. If you will break, you know, there will be consequences. But, yeah, as a 17 years old, did I want to really listen? Not really. So I kind of, like, created my kind of management, which... Uh, it wasn't great. I'm surprised sometimes when, like, when I'm looking back, when I have like kind of like self reflection of my diabetes management, whether it was like partying, drinking, you know, all these things. I'm like, oh, how did I actually survive? Hmm. And then, obviously, as a result of the management of being high and low, constantly being. Yeah, I think that that was the reality which hit me when I was 25, when they when I've noticed that there is a slightly change of the sensitivity of my feet. And I kind of like couldn't walk. It's hard, it's hard to describe. You're like walking, but then the feet, they feel strange that you kind of like don't feel them. And so, yeah, then I had like within two weeks all the the possible tests and, you know, examinations and as there was, yeah, when the results came back, it was like, yeah, you develop diabetic neuropathy, you destroyed within the eight years for your diabetes, you destroy the nerves. So you actually can't feel them and it's not that something they could do about it. So you Mm. just destroy the nerves. And since then, it's a different journey. Mm. And I think one of the main things Martin, that you even wanted to get across with this hot seat, and I know we'd spoken about it before, one-to-one, was the fact that, like, you would advise people to start taking action now, you know, and yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that that's why there was, as you said, like 360 turn with the debt management. I call it 720 because I literally (laughs) spin twice around. Mm. Because you pointed out throughout, you know, like whether it's hot seat or, you know, like the sessions and everything, you know, like there are like few little things. And I can see if I would have followed the few, li- for me, it's like now few little things, whether it's pre bolus, you know, carb count. I'm punished for my, because I was careless. I'm punished for the rest of my life. And I regret it so much because. I've got permanent limped, limp, you know, it, it's visible. People are asking me about it a, a lot of time. You know, I have to explain. It's not that I would be ashamed of it, but it annoys me that, you know, that there is something I can't do anything about it. Mm. And I feel powerless because, yeah, I can't revert it mm. just because of the few years that I thought that I have it under control, that I feel like, oh, you know, it's just numbers, you know, like I'm, 
you know, a little bit high, I'm a little bit low, you know, it's just, it's fine, it's fine. Mm. And unfortunately, it wasn't fine. So let's look at that in terms of what life was actually like, right? And I know people are here a couple of weeks in, some people are here a couple of years in, into the program. We've all had different experiences, different journeys. But in terms of what life was actually like before today, Martin, in terms of time and range, in terms of highs and lows, in terms of energy, in terms of what the daily impact of your management was like and, and how you felt about your diabetes compared mm. to now, what would how would you go about explaining that or describing it? So I remember, or I've started, like when I hit 25 or when the neuropath hit me, I was like, oh, I need to change something. And I started like working out or being involved with gym and stuff. But it's still, but the diabetic management was kind of like the less priority of, or I didn't kind of like connect it all together that you need to, you know, be in, uh, you know, work out all of it together. Otherwise, you know, it will never work. So uh, I had the improvement of certain things, but I was still kind of clueless how the body works or of, of the diabetic management. So by the time I reached you this summer, uh, I was emotionally exhausted because I just didn't have a clue what I was doing or how I was managing the uh, uh, the, the 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 blood glucose or you know the blood levels. So I was like literally, yeah, drained, and it impacted uh, the mood swings. I was really suffering from mood swings, and not only me. I think that people around me. But it was uh, my previous partner or the family members. They, yeah, the mood swings, and and I just wasn't happy anymore. I think that I was like slowly, barsh. I was just surviving and just slowly giving up because only not it's only only diabetes. I've been diagnosed with uh, gluten intolerance. I've got high blood pressure. So there were like several things that were just like adding up. And I was just like, oh, uh, I don't know whether I can bear it anymore. So, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, tough and exhausting. Mm. And I think that's, even for me, and even thinking about the first call that we had, Martin, like, you are in, you are in a completely different place now. And you, you're even just, you you talk about your diabetes in a completely different way. And you have more energy and, like, you're... It's like speaking to a different person, you know, and I think you've touched on it already, even even with what you've said about like those constant highs and constant lows are mentally, physically and emotionally exhausting. And I was touching on it with somebody else recently about how like when we have that stability in our blood sugar, it's easier for it's easier for us to have stability in relation to like how we feel, our energy, our performance, even our emotions, because we're not fluctuating up and down consistently each day. So let's fast forward, right? And I think everybody on this call, everybody in the group knows that you are pretty much <laughs> pretty, pretty consistently posting 100% time and range days, weeks, months into the group which is just worlds apart to where you have been in the past. So give us some insight into what life is like for you now currently 
as a result of the changes that you've made? Uh, I think it will be connected a little bit with the mindset and, and everything. When I joined uh, the group in end of September, so there were like so many information and I kind of felt felt overwhelmed and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do first because, yeah, the amount of information, it was just full on. And then, and I still had kind of like weird attitude. I was still kind of like, oh, too cool for school, I would say. And I remember when you mentioned on the on the group WhatsApp when you said that you've noticed that not most of us we are actually going through the the modules or through the information, and you can actually see how many people have seen the videos or you know like the post. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, well, you've decided to pay for this. Uh, I call it private school, you know, <laughs> and you decided to pay for the private school. You are you've been given. You've been given a second chance. Why don't you grab the chance? So, yeah, I've changed the attitude. I was like, I need to educate myself, whether it's daily or weekly. I need to always pick the time then I spend front of, whether it's the cell phone or the computer. I prefer the, the laptop because of the of the Facebook uh, uh, page. And then just read, make notes, and then have, I think most importantly, implement it. But then I thought that I can't do all of it in one go. And then talking about what I'm going to achieve uh, fitness-wise, we've decided that, or we've decided, or I've decided that I want to go lean, I want to lose the body fat. So then we set up the uh, the targets of the calories intake. And, and then when I saw Suicide, that was probably like the the game changer when I thought like firstly I really identified similarities you know of the the mood things exhaustion being easily irritated by anything due to lack of the of 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 the energy and constant battles and chasing the numbers so then I thought like oh I will just simplify that and then knowing the information of the body resistance in the morning, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to give a trial for, let's say, seven days or two weeks and see how the body responds. Mm -hmm. And the body responds well, you know, and then I just figure out with the coffee, which there was like a recent conversation of the spikes, and then I've created, and then again, it's, it's creating the habit. So I wake up, Go because I love the, the the coffee in the first thing in the morning, and I want it in next 15, 20 minutes. So I wake up, check my uh, my levels, go to the kitchen, open the fridge, jab myself based on the levels. I know if I'm under five, I take only half unit. If I'm above five, I take whole unit. And then I start preparing the coffee, and I can have the coffee in the next 10 minutes because I know that it will accelerate in an additional five minutes, and I will be perfectly in range. And then in the meantime... I jab myself again with the you know amount of insulin for the breakfast, and then I start preparing breakfast. Breakfast takes me between fifteen to twenty minutes, and I'm ready to eat by nine o'clock. Sit front of the computer, and then yeah. So that was the first thing of kind of like simplify the diet. I don't need pancakes. I don't need all these you know like having different breakfasts. If two or three different kinds of breakfast work for me and I don't have to care about the levels because it, because it allows me to focus on something else. Mm. And that's, and then the same, 
applied later on for lunch and then before, then for dinner. So for me, it's like limited carbs for uh, for uh, breakfast, limited for dinner. Most of it, it's only from veggie. Hmm. And then if I have carbs, it's only for uh, lunch or snacks during the day or snack during the day when I know that if there is possible spike, I can deal with it. So I can go for brisk walk or do push-ups or squats, you know, like in front of my computer while having customers on the phone, you know, just mute it quickly 20, you know, and then and then I can actually deal with it because mm. this is for me the priority. I don't want to have overnight spikes. I don't want to have brutal hypo during the night when you wake up. And I remember before I call you in summer, I had hypo for, I woke up, was in hypo for three hours and then I when I woke up, I was almost like unconscious, like living in a dream for 20 minutes. Mm. I came to the reality. And when I complained about it to my doctor, her response was, well, just be lucky that you woke up. Which in one hand, I understand it. But in another hand, but, well, it's not a response but I, which I would expect from professional. But well, I'm the one who is responsible for it. Mm. And if skipping carbs or skipping carbs or having salads and steaks and meat you know like for uh you know for dinner for rest of my life it's what it takes i'm more than happy to to go that route because it works for me gives me you know the energy you know like the happiness that i don't have to bother with am i going to spike in three hours in four hours set it up you know try that try you know like you know few different you know like methods i was like setting up you know like alarms throughout the night i'm like i'm going to wake up twice or three times just to ensure well this is easy way it works for me martin there's there's a lot of information in there right which is gonna be benefiting everybody on this call what i want us to do is i want us to look at how you have gotten to the place that you've gotten to and we know that you're hitting 90 percent time and range days weeks months 100 percent time and range days You've dropped a stone of body fat. You're the leanest, strongest, and most muscular you have been, right? So we want to look at how you got to that place. So what I want to touch on first is mindset. And I touched on, even when we when we announced that we were doing this hot seat, that you are one of probably the most resilient physically and mentally diabetic that I've seen in terms of dealing with what you deal with and particularly you know dealing with the neuropathy up to this point when it comes to mindset martin what are three points one to three points or one to three lessons that you have learned along the way that you feel have served you well or in, in relation to keeping the mindset that you have that other people on the call can benefit from i think first of all uh is the podcast you know, like hearing other people, what they are going through and take it as inspiration for your own future and for your own benefit. Number two, uh, like self-education, going through the, uh, the videos and, and all the material we have available. And number three, it's listen your guidance or just follow your guidance because... For me, you've created something unique, which really works. I was unable to find out not even 5% of your knowledge in past two decades. So 
I'm I'm gonna just follow and I'm gonna do whatever you say because, <laughs> because it works. You know, for me, it's like you know, in four months, I've achieved more than in past ten years of doing my fitness. You know, mm. and then it just yeah didn't take as much. Mm. That's it. Look, everybody on the call, that's it. All you have to do is just just do exactly as I say. That's all you have to do. All right. Well, Martin, when it comes to self-education, right, and this is something that I want to touch on because you've mentioned it, and I specifically remember the resistance that you had initially to self-educate yourself because, as you've just said, everything is laid out for you step by step by step by step, but you had that resistance towards it. So what led you to implementing and taking advantage of everything at your disposal to get you to that point? I think that it's like challenge. And then if you are consistent with whether it's implementation of certain things or like recreating the habits, when you get used to it, then it just becomes your normality. I remember our first clarity call after the first two weeks i was so annoyed with the group uh with the group water because i just I, I, for me it was like it's not my cup of tea you know i i was like i don't want to do it you know and then i was like you are being stupid you just like having information you know and then i always try to rationalize everything i rather like sit back you know like relax and then just have like a little self-reflection and kind of go through it kind of like breaking it down, what are actually the benefits and the pros and cons. And obviously, always there are more, you know, benefits. And then if I see that it's beneficial for me, I'm going to I'm gonna go for it. Whether it's food, drinks, workouts, whatever. When I see that this is what benefits me, I'm going to do that. Mm. And then I just stick to it. Yeah, sometimes it's harder. Some things are easier. But then you just do it the first week then second and then just becomes a habit and once it's your habit you just don't even think or you don't yeah you just don't think and you just do it and is there any is there any sort of advice or any sort of guidance you would have for anybody on the call even including myself you obviously feel the impact of what your management had been up to this point on a daily basis and i know we were chatting yesterday about how you you previously weren't even able to do one reverse lunge. Now you're doing reverse lunges with 12 kg, 15 kg dumbbells. But how do you like mentally deal with the consequences that you have already experienced or the complications up to this point that you've experienced? Like how do you stay consistent despite the fact that you you kind of deal with what you deal with? Obviously. For me, some like when they're at the hot seat of the, let's say, younger patient or with people who has diabetes for a shorter period than we like 15, 20 years, there is always kind of envy. And I'm like, oh, if I would have known or, you know, if I would have done things. But then I'm like, I can't look at the past. What I'm looking at the moment is only future because whatever I'm doing right now, it will affect the f- probably next 30, 40 years. And I'm just trying to prevent the shell, the body, you know, the organism for the next 30, 40 years. So, it's, yeah, I'm just looking into the future. And, yeah, that's why I keep kind of 
stay focused because that's what you have that's what you have to do that's what you want to do because actually at the moment all of it it's my habit and i enjoy it it makes me happy mm. i'm kind of like reclaim being myself as i was when i was younger mm. so yeah just yeah. see the future the bright future and that's the thing about it and i know we've again spoken about this one to one before in the sense that these habits that we're building and these habits that we're creating are difficult things to do initially, like to eat different types of foods, to eat different amounts of foods, to pay more attention to your insulin, to pay more attention to your timing of insulin, to exercise more. All these different things are difficult to do initially. And it's kind of like, oh, why do I have to do these? They're like, I have such resistance towards these things. But when you build and create these habits consistently, these are the things that will always serve you the best. And you are a perfect example of that because for the last 19 years, you hadn't had the grasp on it like you do now. And everything that you do now on a daily basis gives you confidence that you will hold on to the health that you have long-term. And that's, that's such an important thing to be aware of and something that you are, again, a perfect example of, all right? Any other thoughts or tips around mindset specifically, Martin, before we move on? I'm thinking, I think that that's probably all, unless you recall anything we've said in the past. No, I'm just... I think they'll come to us. They'll come, they'll come to us as we go. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on. Right. Let's look at... Where are we going? My iPad going to work. Training. Right. And training is is really relevant to the progress that you've made up to this point, because you've always been somebody who has been active. You've all you've always always kind of trained in the gym. You've always consistently been aware of your health and your well-being. But over the last number of months, as, as we've already said, you've dropped a stone of body fat while holding on to the muscle that you've you've had and getting stronger, getting leaner, getting bigger as a result. Um, and one of my favorite things that you've said, because I'm not sure you're going to say it, is that since you've got into the shape that you've gotten in, you've gotten more attention than you have ever gotten in your life. Yeah. <laughs> which, which is always which is always <laughs> a good thing to know. So around training, Martin, what sort of tips or advice would you have for the other guys here on the call and the other guys in the program so they can get the, the most out of their training? I think that it's, about create again, it's creating the habit because I remember someone said like, "Oh, why, why, why are you, um, why don't you try being, you know, like PT?" I was like, "I hate working out. I do that just because, you know, like it benefits me. You know, for me, especially mental wise, you know, it keeps me sane. You know, like working out or any physical activity keeps me happy and sane. That's why I do that, and." Before, it was kind of like, yeah, working out, but there was no, I don't know, strategy, you know, so it was kind of like working out, but it's majority of people you can see in the gym, you know, like doing, you know, like some exercises mostly on the phone. So it was very similar to it. Now, since I know what I'm actually doing and I'm progressing, I can see the progress that you, I think that Darkash actually fell in love with, you know, workout. And that was the big thing as well I noticed because <clears throat> even in our initial call, 
you had told me you have been training for so long. You told me you have been putting so much time and energy and effort into it, but not seeing the results. And the plan and the structure and the systems that we have had in place now that you have consistently stuck to and that you've consistently checked in with, we've, we've seen the physical progress as a result. And like you say yourself, Martin, when you see that progress, that's what helps keep the momentum. And that's what helps keep you engaged. And that's what helps keep you like in love with training, in love with the process. And as a result of that, that's where the habits are built from. And I think that as well, like you're up with the pictures. I think that it's so important. What That's why I say like, just do whatever Owen says. You know, like <laughs> when you upload pictures every two weeks or every one month. And I think that I didn't realize that you can you can have kind of like sliding uh, show until December. And then I remember when when we started, you said, like, oh, what, what's your goal? And I was like, I don't know, you know, they were talking and we kind of like talked a little bit about modeling and you said like, oh, you know, like the underwear models. And I was like, oh yeah, I would just like relabel it as my skinny bitch realness, you know? <laughs> and then since then we went and I remember I just, yeah, probably it was in December. I just I was like, oh, you can slide the picture. And I'm like, ooh, it's getting better. And then <laughs> and I just got more into it because I was like, oh, it actually works. Being consistent and it pays off, as I said, not only physically, because for me it's the priority, it's mentally, with mm-hmm. uh, the benefits of the of the mental for the mental health than just physically. The, but yeah, the physics it's on top of it. Yeah, perfect. So number two. Anything else, any advice, any tips that you'd offer in relation to your training or even how you approach your training or what you focus on or how you feel you get the most out of it? Uh, for me, it's because I'm working from home remotely most of the time, I need to always kind of like motivate myself to leave home. So for me, it's like when I finish at, at five, put the headphones on and play kind of music which boosts your energy. when you and then when you get to the gym just get it done during the training session it's always bear in mind that you need to always progress whether it's weight or reps i always bear in mind not every day i can push myself you know you can be you know after you know going through uh, a call or flu or you know or if you just don't have the energy still complete the uh the workout Push yourself if you can, if you cannot. I, I, I wouldn't do that just to prevent, you know, any injury. Be mindful. And, to, to do, yeah, I bear in mind that I have to always progress with weight or or reps. Then I the last two, two reps or three reps, they have to be always the kind of maximum. So I know that if I will complete it, then I have to push it uh, the next time. Mm. So on days, Martin, that you're not particularly motivated or days that you don't want to leave the house or days that you don't want to go to the gym but you know you would benefit from it do you say something to yourself do you have a routine do you have a structure how do you still get the benefits of your training or that consistency even if you're not particularly motivated for me it's like why would i pay you know for a program if i don't want to complete it (laughs) You know, it's just ways of money. And for me, as well, the, how the how the application is created, you're like ticking all the boxes. I need to complete it. So for me, it's like as well the com, uh, being competitive. 
and I just I need I know that I need to complete uh complete the five workouts and then again I'm gonna go back to the benefits. I'm working 48 hours a week because we are allowed to do you know overtime. It's got a really busy schedule. I'm working out five times a week. I've got additional activities, which is the Brixton Housing Corporation, when I'm part of one of the committees. I'm part of the LGBT group of London Borough of Camden. So my schedule is super busy. But based on the last four months of the improvement of the uh, of the management gives me the energy and I'm able to do that without, you know, like any worries, whether, yeah, if I will go low, I've got always the desktop, you know, like tablets. I know they taste rotten, they're nasty. Sometimes you have to drink them, but that's what works. I didn't have any over-treated hypo since I'm on them. Why would I go for some? No, this is what works. That's what you said that works. And actually it works. So I'm not going to use, so because it gives me, you know, like the freedom. I don't have to care. I don't have to drag the massive burden on my shoulder every single day. I, I feel so free. That's why. And I think one of the biggest things that you're touching on here too, and I have to remind myself of it as well, because I'm not motivated all the time to train. And I, I love training, but there's still days where I don't particularly want to do it. But when you remind yourself of, look, Jesus, I'm not in the mood to do it. You know, I'm not in the mood to go out for a walk. I'm not in the mood to go to the gym, whatever it is. When you remind yourself of the benefit after you do that thing, it's easier to take that first step. And I always look at getting in a workout, getting in a walk, getting in a few walks or whatever it is each day as an investment into your energy, your mood, your performance, and ultimately your blood sugar. Because if you're consistently exercising or you're consistently moving, you're consistently seeing the benefit of that on your mood, on your energy, on your blood sugar. So on the days, and this is what I do, and I know you do this as well, Martin, on the days that you don't want to do it, you don't have to kill yourself on those days, but remind yourself of any sort of movement is better than no movement. Absolutely, I agree. Like. Since I came from on Saturday from from my holiday, I'm ill. I didn't work out for it's a week now, and I know that I will not go probably till tomorrow after tomorrow. But I know that I still want to complete the ten thousand steps, so I split it into you know like small sections. So I'll do like five ten minutes in the morning, just around the block, fifteen hundred fifteen hundred steps one round. You know, then I do another two laps. On my lunch break, then probably another one just right afterwards, and another one, let's say around 8 p.m., you know, and I know I will still complete it because at least I still have the motion. The body still it's in kind of process, although I don't have the energy. I feel tired, but, you know, it won't kill me. And then obviously the resistance, it's not that high, you know, and again, because I'm aware of all the benefits, I'm just, I'm going to just do that. Mm. So do you then, Martin, look at scheduling in, kind of like micro exercise points throughout the day in terms of like a small walk here, a small walk here, a small walk here, as opposed to just one big walk. Absolutely. Depending, because obviously depending on your time schedule, sometimes it's hard to, you know, fit, whether it's your workout or, you know, or, or your walk into your schedule. So just, and I'm the worst person for planning, but then I'm learning throughout the time because then you see like oh if you challenge yourself you will adapt you will learn certain things but if you will stand on one point and be just like resilient and resistant you will never go forward 
So although sometimes it's just like, oh, you don't want to do that or you dislike, you know, like the changes, just challenge yourself. Just And then think, yeah, zoom out, probably plan it, learn how to plan it, all these things. 100%. Anything else to touch on exercise or training wise or do you want to move on? Yeah, just keep moving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no resistance here, Martin. <laughs> no resistance, correct. Okay, next, nutrition. And again, this is something that we've spoken about a lot on one-to-one calls and your check-ins, these kind of things. And your nutrition is completely on point. And it's one of the main driving forces that leads you to the energy energy that you have, the time and range that you have, the A1C that you have. And what I want to know and what everybody else wants to know is how do you manage your nutrition? Like, What do you do? What does a normal day look like for you? Any tips, guidance here to share with the rest of the group? That was part one of this episode. If you are listening to this on the day of the release, part two will be out tomorrow. But if you're listening on any other day, part two is the next episode on our list.